Welcome to Honest Jams, the podcast where two friends lost their cool and decided to write a new song each week based on a prompt. I don't know if I ever lost mine, but... <laughs> it was just a synonym for okay. hay- Haywire. We went Haywire. What our prompt that makes sense. Was. <laughs> I'm A.L. I'm Walker. And with us today are song maestro extraordinaires, Joey Binhammer and Kate Kilborn. I didn't ask the pronunciation of your guys' last name, but... You nailed, you nailed it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so you can sound them out. I think when I first met you, I thought your last name was actually Binghammer, not Binhammer. It's very literally Binhammer, like, like a tub ham- mallet. Does that have anything to do with your family's origins? Mm, we've never really been able to figure it out. It, I mean, my dad thinks it's of Bavarian origin, uh-huh. and there's been a theory thrown out there that it it's an old German word for beekeeper. Oh. Oh. Which... I haven't really heard real evidence to support that, but I like it. I like the sentiment of it. Let's spread the rumor. Yeah, yeah let's spread the rumor. Ben Hama, beekeeper. Nice. I like it. Speaking of origins, we like to start off by talking about our guests' musical histories, but since there's two of you, maybe we'll talk about where you kind of originated as a duo. How did you guys get together in this way? Should I start this off? Yeah, you can go for it. Well... Um, well, we met back in college mm-hmm. at PSU. I worked at the campus bike shop, and Kate would come in and work on her bike, and she always had the, a violin in her paneer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, many years passed, and we ran into each other at a show at the Kelly's Olympian, mm-hmm. AJ Woods. This guy who was on tour, who I played a solo set with the night before, mm-hmm. was playing another show in Portland and Kate was there and we talked about music and we just decided to jam. I had started Crowey the two years before. Mm-hmm. I was doing it as a solo thing and didn't have many expectations or much of a vision at that point mm-hmm. other than making songs and playing shows. and. I don't know. We just, uh, th- there was like a thing where the first time we played music, we just really had a great time. And I asked Kate to join the band, mm. like pretty much after we played one one of the songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We like, we like jammed. And I was like, do you want to try one of these Crowy songs? And she was like, yeah. And then we played it and it just sounded really beautiful. And I was like, okay. Yeah, you want to be in the band? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that song ended up being the first song on the album oh, we wow. recorded. It first was. Song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to school for music? Is that you, what you, you met at the school? Um, bike I, was, shop, but... I, I was not. I, I, I had been a music major for a term long before, uh-huh. but I, I was a Spanish major. But Kate was. Yeah, I was going to school for music for violin. Uh-huh. Um, so I used to commute to PSU by bike and stick my violin case in like a river dry bag and just strap it to the back of my bike and ride around pray. Portland and uh-huh. pray. <laughs> yeah, I would not do that today, but I feel like that that was the connection. Joey was like, you have a violin, music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. How was your experience with music in school it was a lot of things it was a very good i would say in the like networking way i made a lot of really close friends who Mm -hmm. are still friends and collaborators today but um playing classical music in music school is like you know very tedious i would say anxiety inducing (laughs) some of the most anxious moments of my entire life come from music school yeah after music school i had this sort of shift where i was like i want to relax a little bit and play in bands Uh and then joey just kind of magically 
asked me to be in his band. Yeah. yeah. What, what about the pressure of like being judged or what was so anxiety inducing about? I think that it's built into the nature of classical music. Yeah. You're like practicing for hours and hours and hours to really perfect this thing, to get every note perfectly in tune, perfectly um, intonated, phrased right, everything, and then you have one chance to perform it. <laughs> um, the perfection pressure was really intense. I love classical music still. Yeah. But. Did you find your way into non-classical music through playing with Joey or was it there, you kind of like pursuing that aside from that also? Yeah, I was pursuing it aside from that. I think I just sort of made this mental shift where I was like, I'm going to play in bands. I'm going to learn how to improvise. And then I just sort of mm. found my way into the Portland music scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you did some pretty, you're involved in some pretty sweet stuff like long before we ever played music. Like sweeping exits and that stuff was really cool. Yeah. You know? I feel like tw 2014 was like my journey out of classical music. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you found your passion in kind of like a, a more what? I don't know. I've played in a lot of bands. I've played pop music. I've played folk music. I've played like string quartets for rock bands. So it is a little bit of that classical like reading sheet music mm -hmm. um, just in a really different venue. Mm -hmm. And I do still play some classical music like small ensembles, chamber ensembles, but just having like a, a big mix is really nice. Mm -hmm. And Joey, you weren't pursuing music in school. You were pursuing Spanish, but you were playing music consistently in your life. I, I was, yeah. At the time that we were in school, I was playing primarily in this group called Electro Kraken that was like kind of like prog rock and jazz. It was a saxophone, bass, and drums trio. So yeah, my, I was in like a very different place. And I was, I'd sort of come out of this period in my early 20s where I had some really intense writer's block, just creative blockages in general. Mm. And so I was trying to get involved with anything that would create a mindset shift mm. about creativity. I had never really played jazz before, and so I just jumped into this thing with my friends and it just clicked. That shook me out of it, you know? And I, and I feel like it was that sort of mental blockage was maybe why I didn't pursue music in school, because I was like, I'm, I'm not sure that I can consistently write. And if I can't consistently write, is this something I want to go to school for? Maybe this is just like mm. a thing I'm always going to do no matter what. Mm -hmm. you like know, you didn't want to be at the mercy of like other people's music or something like that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Yeah. So th was it improvisation that then that shook you out of it? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, it was improvisation and yeah. it was just like playing, it was like leaving my comfort zone. How did it push you out of your comfort zone? I had played like folk music quite a bit and like indie rock, you know, very like 4-4, four, four, major, minor, mm -hmm. nothing modal, not, not really like leaving any of, any of the comfort of... Were you thinking about things in that way? Like, you, did you had a musical language for all those things? Yeah, I had practiced that stuff quite a bit, mm -hmm. you know. I felt really comfortable in it. But then I just started to feel stuck. And then playing, like, music that was more more noisy and, like, being forced to play in modes. And then also to, like, back up, like, a sax player who was really very, very talented. Mm -hmm. And TJ, who's such a good drummer who could just kind of play in incredible time signatures, you know, and mm -hmm. just like seamlessly mm -hmm. and like kind of learning from him. You know, I mean, I, I felt like I was learning from them mm. when I got in. It's always nice when you're in a band where everybody else's ability, like you're playing at the peak of your ability and everybody else is kind of like pushing you. Yeah, they were, they were definitely, yeah, I was the one being pushed. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. They were the ones who were like already really good and I thrive when I'm pushed. It can be really easy to get comfortable doing one thing. Totally. 
And then someone being like, come on, it's good. It's good for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, this podcast definitely does that for us, I think, where it's just like we are obligating ourselves to constantly be writing new things. And then we also, like, put ourselves in front of guests who, like, we don't want to look dumb in front of. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I prefer to not release, like, terrible and music yeah. for I mean, unless that's the prompt sake we still haven't done like ugliest music ever <laughs> totally which we should but no that's interesting because the podcast is both things it's also one thing right yeah. it's just one thing where we know okay i'm gonna get in the studio for at least a couple hours this week and do something mm-hmm. so it's easy because it's just part of our lives you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. as it is when you start rehearsals and things like that yeah mm-hmm. So you, the band that you're playing in, then because that kind of unlocked that in you, that that helped you start writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started to write. It also helped that I um, met my my good friend Orion, mm-hmm. um, and we began a collab, another collaboration, a folk project called De Geister Bischwarren, which is a project that he'd already had. It was his solo project. Mm-hmm. It was like folk music, but it was more it was more weird and a lot more exploratory. And Orion's like the kind of person who's really down to try new things Mm. i mean he just gets he just always wants to be pushing the boundaries and like trying new things all the time and um i had some old riffs that i played for him and he was like we should do those songs you know Mm -hmm. i was like really like yeah these are great and that that was another step in in kind of like bringing it back because i'm i've been playing jazz and i've learned all this stuff from jazz and now i'm back in a folk band Mm -hmm. being asked to contribute material and then drawing from all that new knowledge and i think another thing too is it is is it's just like being appreciated goes a long way (laughs) totally (laughs) you know people someone being like positive reinforcement is really useful (laughs) yeah it really works you know that that whole thing of like hey you know that's that riff's pretty good Uh uh-huh i'm like yeah I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to us individually on I know. our computers going, is this riff good? I don't know, but I'm going to play it for another four yeah. minutes. Yeah, totally. So how did then the Crowy stuff develop? You started writing songs and then you mm-hmm. both eventually met? Yeah, the Crowy thing developed because, well, I had always wanted to do it for years and just never did. Write your own songs, you mean? Yeah. Well, I had a lot of songs. I had a lot of instrumental music, and I had some Mm. songs with singing and lyrics, but I I didn't feel as comfortable doing that. But I I wanted to push myself to do more. Really, how it finally got off the ground was that um, De Geister, we went on a Europe tour in 2015. And after that, we, we actually all met at Whole Foods. We all worked at Whole Foods. We all met at Whole Foods. And we all quit Whole Foods, and we went to Europe, and we kind of all went our separate ways after a certain time. We all used up all of our money. And by the time we all got back to the States, we were all in different places. Mm. Orion moved back to Arcata. Eva, who played the Saw, moved to Oakland. So we were all of a sudden in different places. And though we kept the band, we've kept the band together and we've written music over emails. I just really missed having a folk project that was happening all the time. Mm. And so I was like, well, it's time. This is the time to record this album I've been talking about making for 10 years. Mm. And that that's what the first Crowy album was. I recorded in in my parents' garage. I was staying with them for a period of time after I got back, getting back on my feet, and recorded in this freezing cold garage in the middle of winter. With songs that you had had? Yeah. You know, I had like about four or five songs that were old that I, I was in, very intent on doing. And then from there, I 
was like, well, I need, you know, I need like 10 or 15 minutes more of material. So I just would jam with myself mm. until something came. And you were self-recording all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Self-recording all alone in a cold garage. <laughs> Actually, it was ra a rather miserable experience because, you know, I, I had to overcome a, a lot of um, a lot of self-deprecating thoughts I had developed over the years in order to do this. Uh -huh. It was an act of self-love to like make this album. Uh -huh. um, so it was hard. It was hard. Like I was what like, what kind of thoughts were you overcoming? Like, oh, this music isn't really that good. No one's going to like this, you know. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? You know, kind of things like that. I can't sing. I'm not a singer, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm not a lyric writer. You know, things like that. All these doubtful things. I'm just, you yeah. know, at a certain point, i just be like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're not useful voices in the creative process. They are not. They might be useful in the editing process if you let them in to a certain extent. Yes. I think it was kind of important that recording it was miserable because it just added that extra determination mm. you know i was like not only am i feeling like mental and emotional pain over making these songs i'm also feeling physical pain i was recording on tape too and it was damp and i kept having problems with the tape machine and the tape getting shitty sure and getting all over my heads i had to i had to clean my heads every before every session and somehow it got made so <laughs> Well, that's that rebellious spirit of rock and roll. <laughs> right yeah. <there. laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so then what eventually led to you two making music together? Well. Well, I guess we <laughs> met at that concert. Uh-huh. We got together and jammed once. Yeah. yeah. And we were both like, this works. Uh-huh. Let's do this again. Yeah. And that was uh, three years ago? But the process yeah. has evolved, right? I mean, it, the, is the, it's not Joey's songs so much anymore. It's yeah, the same I think way. that we started out playing um, some of Joey's solo songs and just adding violin and seeing what that sounded like to make them a little more orchestrated. Mm -hmm. And then it's just slowly evolved to be more and more collaborative. Mm -hmm. um, Joey will bring a riff and then I'll add something to it and it just kind of evolves in this very fun way where I, I would say that Crowey like really straddles genres and we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're both very comfortable being in that like place of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why it works. Mm -hmm. I think it's fun. It's like it's like um, <laughs> it's like artistic rolling of the dice. Did you feel that you would be right for each other in that way? Like that is that the feeling that you had initially? Like what what worked so well that it was just made sense? The first time I heard Kate play. I was just like, I think we have a pretty similar like sense of beauty. Aesthetic. You know? Aesthetic. Mm -hmm. I was just like, the first thing you would play, I'd just be like, that's that's it. That's the melody. Mm. That's what we're going to use. Yeah, I think we both you know? have a same appreciation for beauty and same willingness to go towards the opposite, towards mm -hmm. like the dark and the ugly. Mm -hmm. I think that that came up even the first time we played. Mm. Yeah. I, I think we have a lot of... A lot of our niche tastes are pretty similar, you know. Like we both love a lot of arts, indie folk, but also like, you know, we've we've kind of like shown each other a lot of stuff. Like you, the neoclassical kind of contemporary stuff you showed me. Yeah, I guess when I first heard your songs, I was like, you sound like Nick Drake, and I want to play the Nick Drake strings. Nice. <laughs> Let's do this. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you got a reference. We had. I remember we had this conversation about Nick Drake, and I was like, I've really only listened to Pink Moon. Like that's my album. And Kate was like, What? 
you got to listen to Brighter Lighter because that has all the orchestrations on it. And I was mm. like, orchestrations, huh? I don't know. She was like, no, they're so good. They're so good. And then I listened to it and I was like, yeah, you're right. That was kind of the origin story, I think, for the Murder of album, mm. you know? Like that's what you had in mind when you were going in to record together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's make an orchestral folk album. Mm. I mean, very loosely, yeah. right? Let's like make big arrangements, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And not worry about playing them live yet. <laughs> yeah. You right. Know? Just use the studio to make what we want. Mm-hmm. Is that how you have worked together in general? Kind of like, is that that's how the songs come together is through the recording of them? Yes. Most definitely. Most definitely. And especially mm-hmm. this song that we made tonight. <laughs> uh-huh. Or tonight. It feels, it feels <laughs> that like. was only a couple nights ago. <laughs> that was only a couple yeah. nights ago. <laughs> Though this was one of the song that we made for this was one of the first ones I, I feel like where we learned it and we rehearsed it and we played it all the way through. Oh. And then we added to it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of re- recording in the past has been very piecemeal and just like mm-hmm. Like, here's a section. Yeah. Definitely. And even if it wasn't, like, comped, it was comped in some way. Like, maybe the guitar maybe the guitar was, like, played all the way through, but, like, we'd work on the verses and the choruses, like, separately, you know? Mm. How, how did the kind of, like, writing together evolve? Like, what is what, what happens when you write together? Is it somebody just brings an idea to the situation and then you jam, or...? I would say Joey is the main idea generator here. Mm-hmm. So he'll bring an idea, like I've been working on this, and then we just jam and see what happens mm-hmm. and fo- follow the course that that jam takes us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This what? is this is actually the first piece that we wrote the lyrics together on. Oh, cool. I've usually covered the lyrical duties. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just thought, like, let's try that. Let's see if that might be cool. Yeah. We're very, very laid back about everything. <laughs> that's true. We're both chillers. I think that's why, why yeah. this works. Well, it's a nice in- environment in the studio that way versus yeah. like at the show. Oh, what's our stage plot? And, you know, all mm-hmm. that dealing with sound and arrangements and all that. Yeah. I love composing in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Do you then rehearse kind of in a space where you can just get stuff down whenever you want to, basically? Yeah. My basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a pretty cool like recording studio situation in our house, and we don't play loud. We don't play loud music, so we're kind of able to rehearse any time of day. Yeah, nice. And we often <laughs> rehearse at night a lot. We're both night owls, so yeah. What we did the other night wasn't unique. So by rehearse, do you mean write, or is rehearsing like learning the songs to perform? Like, is there a performance aspect to, of? The- to this? We jumped right into playing shows together and we played a lot of shows together mm-hmm. over a couple years. So recording was just like fit in there in little pieces mm-hmm. um, to where to where the album that we just released not too long ago took like a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very snippety. <laughs> persnickety. Yeah, it was snippety pers- and persnickety. <laughs> <laughs> When we have shows, which we haven't had for a long time, well, COVID, COVID, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we would we would rehearse pretty diligently. Uh-huh. I'd say, you know, we we use the loop pedal to do all our layers on, on nice. stage. Cool. That requires a lot of practice because sure. some of the loops are pretty complicated, and we're running everything through like a mixer, and I'm controlling the loop. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn both learn when the loops start and end. Yeah. 
And then there's a there's like a field recording and ambient aspect to it too. And sometimes it's pretty planned, but there's definitely been some shows where I just start doing things and Kate is just like <laughs> looking at me like what is happening and I'm like Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you never know what tape is going to go into the tape machine at the end. Oh, nice. We might end on like birds and wind chimes or it might be like scary Volcanoes. demon voices. Oh yeah. Well, no, sometimes if it's d- dark in there and I can't read what's on the damn tape like I'll put the wrong tape in and I'm just like oh well scary like howling guitars instead of like wind chimes whoops (laughs) (laughs) but it works you know so the uh, recording the album then though was an ordeal kind of like that you put together in many pieces over Mm -hmm. the course of a year and a half in your basement yeah and you engineered that whole thing Mm -hmm. yeah and we recorded it all on tape and you know yeah it was it was hard work and an ordeal but it was like highly enjoyable Mm -hmm. am i wrong (laughs) it was a a fun album to record like it there was a lot of good vibes it was the total opposite of me recording the first album Mm. there there was very little misery yeah, mm-hmm. I think one of the special thanks on the album is to uh, Plaid Pantry, because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we pretty much had a routine of of getting some Plaid Pantry beers, like every staying time. up till three a.m. Uh huh. Were you writing the songs in the studio? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Or at least writing parts. Uh, yeah. Something that happened to me a lot in the recording is that I, I would record a line just make it up on the spot and Joe would be like that was wonderful we're keeping it can you harmonize it <laughs> I'm like yeah. I don't know what I played right you had to learn your own thing had to learn my own thing nice. there was a there, there became just like a, a running joke during making that album which was like double it <laughs> <laughs> so that was good double it <laughs> we doubled it and tripled like everything yeah that's yeah. the way to do it that's true <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're excited to hear what you wrote for the podcast, but before we do... What does the internet say on the topic of the day? And if it's wrong, you can let us know by using the internet too. What does the internet say about Haywire? I thought I'd give us a little definition. Do you have any guesses as to what Haywire even means? Or like what where it comes from? I don't know where it comes from. I know that it means like... I had no idea. Shit's gone bananas. Shit's gone bananas is a, a great uh, definition for it. Wiki <laughs> dictionary or something of that nature also says it's an adjective that means roughly made, unsophisticated, decrepit. Um, which comes from the use of so hay wire is like the um, when they like bale hay mm-hmm. sometimes they'll wrap it in this wire that oh. they call hay wire and then they'll also use hay wire just for like a bunch of just like putting together shitty machinery that isn't working properly and stuff like that or like tying a fence together or that kind of thing so it refers to kind of like something very like jankily put together um, but it also can be uh, behaviorally erratic or uncontrollable especially of a machine or mechanical process um, usually used with the verb go um, as in go haywire so not haywire go haywire go <laughs> <laughs> well that's unconventional for sure so the original meaning likely to become tangled unpredictably or unusable and fall apart is thought to have come from new england like around the 1905 where a haywire outfit became the common term to refer to um like logging tools that were just like slapped together with like you know janky material and stuff like that i also liked the bottom of this wiktionary it says see also 
come unglued, tearing up Jack, which I'd never heard. Losing that's got to cool. be old fashioned. <laughs> yeah, there's not even a link to it. It's just red. <laughs> tearing up Jack, losing one's cool, blow up, and go bonkers are all synonyms. Mm. For Do you going. think it's from like a jackhammer or something? Or no, that's just probably Jack. before that existed. Hi, right, that's tearing up Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you asked me y'all if um, if it would step on the toes of my internet research if uh-huh. you did some etymology and yeah. some origin exploration. And it doesn't because I have an alternate oh, explanation nice. from uh, for the origin of it. I did find that stuff as well, but I liked the story around this one better. Yeah. So um, what I found was, this is from a, an article in The Guardian. Going haywire was an expression used by electronics engineers in the 1940s when their circuit designs were at an early experimental stage. The wiring of more complicated circuits at that stage often resembled a mass of hay and was sometimes unstable in oh. performance until it was tidied up, hence the expression. So obviously going haywire like came after right. the I- initial haywire stuff. Yeah. But that got me thinking about how fun it would be to be an electronic engineer in the 40s when all of these <laughs> inventions are just rapidly happening uh-huh. so i just i have just a couple of um inventions and these are not just electronic they're all kinds of stuff i have six inventions from the 40s just to remember how recently these things were made six uh, inventions from the 40s <laughs> thank you um 1940 color television yeah oh yeah Oh, important it was oh. that early yeah, wow. yeah. Oh. um 1941 aerosol spray cans uh, probably net negative on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one didn't turn out the best. 1940. They're probably tel- color television yeah. too, actually. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just watched White Lotus and it was quite enjoyable <laughs> in color. 1943, the Aqualung, Whoa. invented by Jacques Cousteau, along with Emile Gagnon. I don't maybe not saying that name right and the next year kidney dialysis machine useful oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Useful. Saved a lot of lives. <laughs> then in 1948 the jukebox the Wurlitzer jukebox being nice. the first of those oh, yeah. and then finally the pinnacle of modern design <laughs> at the time in 1949 boxed cake mix <laughs> I love how that made the list I actually just saw something about when boxed cake mix first came out it had all the ingredients you would need except water it had like powdered milk and eggs oh yeah um, you know because that's the point of all the new convenience food at the time but people who bought it didn't think that it counted as real cooking it was like you had to actually put some oh, effort they in yeah they they were they it didn't sell well it didn't sell well until they removed the egg and milk so <sighs> that you know these folks could just add that stuff themselves and feel like they're actually cooking wow yeah wow. so <laughs> that's what the internet says I mean, I'll say sometimes when I make mac and cheese from a box, I feel like I'm actually cooking. (laughs) All right. We've come to the part of the show where we share our songs. What what did you make this week? What what, what did you make this week? Tell us a song about it. 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 All right. So, Haywire. Do you want us to know something about it before we hear it? I can explain it real quick. Yeah. I, guess, I guess what I thought first, well, actually, so Kate picked the prompt. I sent her the three prompts, and I, I was like, I, I felt really open to all three. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the other two, we, so usually heat, we send out. Heat, send and out. Hi, heat and highway. Okay. So they were all H things. Yeah, that's um, usually our style these days. <laughs> I remember when you said Haywire, I was like, yeah, yeah, that feels right. It was a great opportunity to write about 
just where we're at right now mm. in these times mm -hmm. and emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my interpretation of Haywire is more the modern version of like coming unglued, you know, coming un emotionally unglued. Mm -hmm. And so I think the lyrics kind of just, and the way the song is, there's just a lot going on emotionally. That's how, at least I felt this whole year is like sure. ungrounded, emotionally unglued, feeling so many things simultaneously at once that it can even it can almost be numbing. Mm -hmm. How so much is going on all at, all at the same time. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you have anything to say? Um, yeah, I guess when I heard the term haywire, I, I associated it more with like the go bonkers. Yeah. Unhinged. I was like, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. So anything we make is going to be haywire. <laughs> Let's definitely do that one. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Should we hear the song? Yeah. Does it have a name? It's called Days, but like D-A-Z-E. Days.
That tick was trophy. <laughs> what an arc. What an epic piece. So epic. So beautiful. It. There's one little especially proggy moment. <laughs> totally. I think the yeah. second chorus or something. Like, she's, yes. all about, she's all about the prog. Yeah, that part. Yeah, we yeah. made eye contact during that part. <laughs> giggled a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. So beautiful. So you recorded this together. Like the take is you playing together. The Like classical guitar and the like right. first violin right are and but you wrote it before you we recorded it obviously we did how did that come together <laughs> man haywire in itself <laughs> um the tune itself was was something i i had already and uh-huh. i had always thought it was like kind of disjointed in how well, many what do you mean by the tune the guitar the, gu- the guitar progression uh-huh. yeah yeah, the riff, so to speak. I had the verse and chorus, and I'd had them forever, and I never knew what to do with them, and because they were kind of like emotionally disjointed, I thought. Mm. I thought it was like there's a lot going on, and then this like weird proggy part. Like mm-hmm. what? What is this? It's and our then, it's our times. It's our times, <laughs> and and then we we, I think I played it for you not that long ago, and you were like, I like that. I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> it started to become a song when, like, the arrangement of the chorus became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, disjointed sections, I feel like, are in the context of the one instrument playing them mm-hmm. can feel disjointed. But as soon as you have something else reinforcing yeah. whatever is going on, it's like, oh, okay, now I understand how this makes sense. You know, yeah, it, it, you just need something else to kind of give it context a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. I think we referred to it as the disjointed song for mm-hmm. a while. And then you you add violin and you add parts. And, and by the end, we we're like, this doesn't sound disjointed anymore. No. Sounds very cohesive now. I think I think when it was all said and done, I was like, "Whoa, it's beautiful!" <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> cool, nice. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, and we may never have done anything with the disjointed song without the prompt haywire. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, completely. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm all about like completely arbitrary constrictions like that because creativity just needs a little bit of a box in order to thrive. Basically, if you have every single possibility available to you there's mm-hmm. no point in making everything because it just exists in the world of like it could be anything but yeah. then as yeah. soon as you give it just like a tiny little bit of constraint then it all of a sudden can become something yeah i think that openness is really challenging it's like you can make anything so you want to make the best thing yeah and you i personally spend a lot of time thinking about like what is the best possible thing mm-hmm. so having a limitation is so helpful yeah somebody else's song or whatever Mm -hmm. like lyrics or even just like here we have four hours that we need to write something in this four hour period of time otherwise we won't have anything for the podcast you know or whatever it is (laughs) right Um, we've never come in empty handed though not yet never tried to dust (laughs) off some old demo recorded in like 2002 I think it was Friday night we did the majority of the lyrics Uh all of the singing and like so the, the majority whole, of the violence. The whole progression, like the whole seven minute epic was basically written as far as kind of like the yeah. underpinnings of it. Yeah. I mean, the intro is an imp- total improvisation, which I, I can't remember how we, why we did that or how, but I think it just, <laughs> oh, it was because you were playing with my atonal xylophone and you just like, were like, oh. we should record this. I think I just walked into the basement and you know, I was just tired. just playing with the atonal xylophone. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really feel like playing the instrument I knew how to play, so I just started playing the atonal xylophone. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that thing just, that thing is haywire yeah. like, in a nutshell. It's totally. Just, there's no way it's to like. It's atonal. It's atonal. You can't play a record. Why do you have an atonal xylophone? 
Uh, well, for those purposes, my friend Sean found it in a free pile, and uh-huh. then um, he was gonna get rid of it, and I was like, "What? Does not get rid? We need to keep that it's in the a family." Ha- handmade thing. I think it's handmade. There is no sense to it. Like it literally is atonal. Yes. Yeah. No, not on. It doesn't pitch. even. A lot of the notes don't even go like sequentially in pitch. Like nice. you're, you'll go up and you're like, <laughs> I think these are in fours, and then just like, bah! <laughs> just randomly a note is lower uh-huh. than the last one you played. Cool. And you're like, okay. <laughs> even though it'll look, it looks like it should be higher because it'll be a shorter piece of metal. Right. It's for some reason lower. Whoa. Just made as a toy? It's like the maybe? house of mystery of xylophones. <laughs> I think so. You guys ever been to that place? The, no. The house of mystery? Or the, what's the one in the Redwoods? Like the tree oh, of the magic of or something? The trees of mystery. You know, I've yeah. gone by that place so many times. <laughs> there are these like vortexes where like, the, you know, compasses do weird things, yeah. that kind of thing. But then they also have like these attractions next to them <laughs> that are like <laughs> optical illusion type houses that are not actually doing anything interesting scientifically, but mm. they're, they are tricking your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so okay, so a tonal xylophone jam into the progression that you had, mm-hmm. and then what you jammed together over this progression, and then you wrote violin parts to it, or when when did the vocals come into this? The vocals were last. Uh-huh. We always do the vocals last. Okay, so you always have this kind of like harmonic underpinning to this thing that you're writing vocals. Yeah. For. Mm-hmm. It's not intentional. It's just that vocals are the hardest thing, so we always save it for last. Yeah, in in the case of this, it went harmonic structure and then words and then melody. Mm. So there was like writing down these re- weird words and then trying to figure out how to fit them into what we'd already written. When you mm. write, so when you write, have the guitar and the violin together, does that feel like kind of like a complete song right there? I think this could have stood on its own with just guitar and violin. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the violin parts are pretty melodic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was writing them, thinking about how I could layer them and how we could layer on top of it, but I think it could stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a thought for a second that I was like, well, maybe they, this could just be an instrumental, you know? That came into my mind at one point. Yeah. Because I thought it sounded nice. It's always tempting. Yeah. <laughs> it's really tempting. It's really tempting for us. <laughs> it sometimes feels like the easy way. Uh, like sometimes for the podcast, I know for myself, I'm like, eh, today's just a, it's just like an emotional load off to not have to write lyrics, basically. Yeah. Yes. Not to have to like commit to like a statement that you're making with words. Totally. <laughs> what does Haywire mean? Yeah. But you did write words. We did. So how did those come together? Well, I had some already written. I had like the second verse pretty much written mm-hmm. and the coda and the counting down. And the, the whole days. time you had been thinking about kind of just the emotional state of existence. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of the words were pretty different when we wrote them down. And then when we went to go sing them based on the melody we had written, we had to change them, you know, mm. because of like the constraint of there's only so many beats in this melody, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just certain words sounding weird. And actually, we sung together on one microphone on those on those verses. Mm, fun, which we'd never done before. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And that, a, and but there's no filler words like "oh yeah" or <laughs> yeah, no. "baby," so you're able to fit the thoughts. Yeah, nicely into the phrasing. I mean, you know, we thought maybe the first verse should have a more positive sentiment because the ver- second verse is rather blunt. Uh huh. Um, and, and you're discussing these things with each other kind of in the moment as you're writing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we wrote the first verse together, I guess, around the idea of Haywire, th- 
thinking about the past year. So what is that? Is are you like brainstorming? Is that what's happening when you're? Like, yeah. What do, what do you mean you're writing together? We were brainstorming. I thought. I think. Th I think we were saying we were just throwing a lot of lines out there, and then they were getting written down. We had actually talked about writing lines and putting them in a hat and pulling and drawing. Oh, them. nice. But we didn't end up doing that because we just kind of did that without the hat. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So that's that's how the first verse was written, and then the idea for a counter melody on the chorus was a musical decision, like melodically haywire, and I think also lyrically haywire because you're sitting there and you're trying to listen to two different lyrics that are being said at the same time, mm -hmm. and definitely the 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 words in a hat was kind of how we wrote what Kate sings, mm -hmm. and as I think we were just like. It was near-death experiences. We were just like writing down near-death experiences, and hmm. there were definitely some that didn't make the cut. Like, what was what was one that was really funny? Oh, it was like oh, flock hitting a flock of birds during takeoff. Because that is an actual fear of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard you singing that on there, and I was like, I that's gonna make me laugh. <laughs> wow, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's about having fun. Uh huh. Even though it's a sad, super sad, dark song. Yeah. The process of making it was really fun. Yeah, I yeah. really appreciate that. I mean, I, that's. I mean, I wouldn't say that I always have fun when I'm kind of writing songs or in this process, but I think at least the sense of being open to like play, I think, mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. And and that can be like a serious thing, like. But I think yeah, the openness of just kind of yeah. like letting the ideas kind of like just exist and then deciding whether or not they're the right idea for whatever you're doing yeah we were writing these words at like 1 1 a.m and we we had a hard cutoff of 4 a.m so we we're like <laughs> yeah. really we that's a pretty soft the, cutoff the, let's be real yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it doesn't really matter if they're good they just have to exist uh -huh. and we have to sing them which was kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah just to try well to make said. it happen whatever just make it happen yeah. fast totally yeah yeah and it's, I think that's really useful, too, because it's not like if these aren't lyrics that resonate with you, like, now. Like, it's not like you're stuck with them. You know, yeah. like, you still made a thing that is as good as you could do in the moment, and then you can decide what you want to do with it afterwards. People get so attached to kind of, like, making the, like, perfect thing in the moment that mm -hmm. it, it paralyzes them from doing anything. And oh, yeah. doing something is usually you're going to at least have something you can, like, evaluate afterwards rather than just like hating yourself yeah i feel like <laughs> totally. it frees you up to take your identity out of it a little bit mm -hmm. it's like this doesn't have to express you know my intellect or my vision as an artist it's just like a thing we tried yeah it's like uh you know taking writing classes and learning to write in school it was all about drafts right the, the teachers made you write mm. so many drafts and that's a that's a really valuable tool mm. i think yeah. and i've i've not used it in songwriting much <laughs> until the last I, year i admittedly <laughs> don't take that to heart very much i do i'm like uh, I, I like kurt vonnegut a lot and he talks about swoopers and bashers uh -huh. and swoopers are like people that when they're writing they do a quick pass and then do another pass over that pass and then another pass over that pass and another pass mm -hmm. over, and then bashers are the ones are just have to have it be just like here's the correct thing for this moment and then here's the correct thing for this moment i think i'm much more the latter where it's just like something has to lock 
into place for me mm-hmm. versus like being able to kind of just like yeah keep going over and over again i do abandon things that don't work fairly often just, mm-hmm. just like me edit too. as you go kind of well, yeah exactly mm-hmm. i this, think i think i'm a basher too yeah this is a song that i abandoned because i thought it didn't right. work i had abandoned i've abandoned this song many times mm. did you ever like have you ever had the experience of maybe you write something musically where you're like i just i i'm what i just wrote is a is a head of it's like ahead of my time. Mm. Like I'm, I'm yes, ahead I of always my, think I'm ahead of my time. I'm, I'm ahead of my time or I'm, you're ahead of yourself. Like, I think this was one of those riffs where I wrote it and I didn't understand it. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird because I wrote it. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that's not the only song that's, that that's happened for. I haven't, I wasn't ready to make it into a song. Mm. You didn't have the strategies to no. connect it all. So exactly. it would be a cohesive mm. piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And it's so satisfying to give a home to an old yeah, riff. Totally, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes I'll also find I'll find a part of a song that worked really well, and then that'll get incorporated into something new. You know, mm-hmm. I have a harder time divorcing from the rest of the stri- from see, the rest of the sometimes, song. Sometimes I'll write something and I don't like anything except for one small little part of it. Mm. I've done that. I'll have something that I wrote, just like a section of it, running through my head. Yeah. Months later, and I'm like, oh, that must be the good part. I'll, I'll just <laughs> take that and work from there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I should mention that I did write the bridge riff was recent. the The song had no bridge until or coda mm-hmm. until the end section. Yeah, the end section. Mm-hmm. And it was, and that was part of the motivation, bringing the riff back and realizing that, like, okay, this is going to become a song now, mm. and then realizing like it needs it needs a third part, mm. and then that third part just like wrote itself. Mm-hmm. I kind of got lucky. <laughs> You yeah. ever get lucky? You're I, just like that's the yeah. only thing that I get. Yeah, <laughs> that's what music music really is. It's like even if you know what you're doing, you're it's just still guessing. Like luck. You're guessing. Uh-huh. Like all that's it the whole time. You're just hoping you get it right accidentally. <laughs> I feel. Okay. I mean, it's never that I'm like, oh, I know exactly what needs to happen next in this thing. It's just like I'm gonna try a thing and then maybe it'll work. Yeah, I think totally. Well, good, then, good guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know they don't always work out. <laughs> so it was nice. I'll take it. <laughs> thanks for writing a song for the podcast. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, thanks for having Wonderful. us. Wonderful. Thanks for giving us a reason to write the yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's next? I'll go next okay. since you went last time. Yeah. So I like your title. Thank you. It's called Garbage is This Week. Uh-huh. And <laughs> the idea for this I had when I was hiking actually a couple months ago. And I was just thinking like, Yoda, I guess, at the moment with words being oh, yeah, out of order. Oh, yeah, because you just said it in this, in this inflection. That's not definitely not how I read it. Garbage is this week? Yeah. What, how would you say it? Garbage is this week. Yeah, I put more emphasis on the end of the line. and, yeah. and like, Yoda, I, like Yoda. Like Yoda, yeah. and it, it forms a pattern. And I had uh, my awesome bandmates, Pony and Danny, come over and play some bass and uh, lead guitar on it. After that session, there were some like Yoda memes traded on the, on the text <laughs> thread, you know, cause it, that's just the way I, I found that format. And it's funny too, because I went to go write the lyrics and I forgot I had like, there was a few days where I just, it was just a really nice day out and I just free wrote a bunch of stuff. And so when I went to go, oh, I want to do that garbage is this week song <laughs> idea, I looked and I had already just like, written a bunch of lines oh, and just like it was so free expression in the moment I just even forgot that it happened I guess so I I had a lot of lyrics to choose from for mm-hmm. that so I rejected about a third of them and <laughs> took two thirds of nice. what I thought were the good ones and I didn't expect to write uh, 
jaunty little jazz number, Ooh. but <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what happened. That's what garbage is this week is. It's also about our times and how they're shitty. <laughs> Travesty is the outcome Disintegrating all the supports Illustrious are the wrong folks Courageous are the trusting Overstimulated are the senses jaunty it is jaunty yeah. I, um, I did retcon haywire that line it didn't happen to already have haywire oh, yeah. before the prompt was chosen everything else though was something you've everything else was oh. lines that were just already in there and Damn. there's plenty more lines that i didn't end up using we were cracking up when we were recording it pony put bass on first 
and he can do so many styles that it's just like complete whim catering. I'm uh-huh. like, ooh, okay, octave up. All right, try that. You know, and I'm just suggesting stuff and then instant gratification getting to hear it with stuff that I like can't pull off as a bass player myself. Nice. And with Danny, it was even funnier, but we were not recording direct with him. We were recording the amp, so we had to like not laugh in the moment. <laughs> but like, you know, all those little where there's a third added, I'm like, do the third, do the third. Come on. He's like, really? You want that? Like, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so for him, that's very was, ween. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. It kind of turned out like ween. Uh-huh. I don't know how that exactly happened. If the progression started down that way. So had you you'd written the song? So I had the lyrics mm-hmm. from unknown time. I guess my phone will tell me <laughs> whatever date I wrote those in there, and the concept just kind of floating around in my head, and then the chords I wrote this week but you had them recorded for them to play over yeah what i do with those guys is i record the main guitar or piano track and the drums and then i send them a demo Mm. and then they come over for rehearsal and we just commandeer rehearsal for an hour or two and it's funny because like they want to do it really well Mm -hmm. and that was like early takes for them but if i'm going to use a first take silly drum take for myself you know and, and like rehearsal you want to be on an equal footing well not, <laughs> yeah. not just yeah. that but it, it, it sets the expectations a yeah. little lower totally. and if for some reason we love the song that we do that week we can record like a real version of it later yeah. you know it's, it's very much in the spirit of demos on this podcast so yeah. it's always a lot of fun and it's just a dream having these uh, these sweet dudes over to to record that stuff. Yeah. Even if I have to deal with an onslaught of Yoda memes afterwards, <laughs> joking about it, I can Worth share it. some of the rejected ones. Oh yeah. Oh man. Let's yeah. Hear. I'll do it as Yoda. I've never tried this. Okay. You've never tried it. I don't think so. Okay. I, probably. I think you can do it. <laughs> Grinding is the friction. <laughs> that was my favorite one that I couldn't use, actually. Grinding is the friction. You got the, the timbre mostly right, but the little more gravel on his voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Grinding mm-hmm. is the friction. <laughs> Unwavering is the factual. <laughs> Here, you, you do it you do better. Well, Take the third, third, well, read the third or fourth line. With purpose is the construction. Oh, that's you're good. That's well, I kind of hardly really have like a, you know, well, a do, do, do Jim a Henson more. voice. Couple more. Mad is the reality. <laughs> Still vital is the cause. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's if it. The, that's in like the lighter timeline, like the the posy timeline, <laughs> yeah. where my song is just like, hey, no one's responsible. Everyone is. We all are, but we're not. And you know, yeah, haywireness. Yeah. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. There cool were a lot song. of a lot of laughs yeah. while we were tracking. I like it. this this theme of laughs in the studio. It's not <laughs> yeah. what everybody really is always like. There's so much pressure. I feel like people put it in you. I mean, demos helps too when it's like a lower pressure type situation. But that's my preferred environment in the studio is when people I, are kind of like a little less taking everything personally or something. <laughs> for sure. It's, yeah. it's easier when it's a demo. Yeah. For sure. And for a band that doesn't exist. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe we'll play this one in our band. What did you cool. make? Um, okay, what did I make? What did I make? Oh, yeah. Uh, I have these, these songs that I've written on piano that I think I'm going to record soon. They're like three songs, but it's really one piece. But I kind of felt like it, it needed another piece in there 
and I got an idea that okay, like maybe one of these podcast prompts coming up at some point, maybe will be this song that I need to kind of like fill in the gap for this thing that I'm writing. And I thought it might be the one next week, which is Mother. But this one just started. I just started writing, and eventually it just became. It was a piano song, and I think it's gonna fit in the context of that. So this thing that I'm writing has is it's all piano. But ultimately, like I want it to be bigger orchestration than that. I'm not sure if I want to fill in the orchestration yet, or if I want somebody else to. Basically, I, I think I want to give more agency to other people to kind of like fill in the gaps. So I kind of left this one a little bare than I normally would leave something like this, so that my ideas don't kind of just like infect my brain, and then I just want to have those. Um, just leaving some room. Just leaving some room. Yeah, I don't think I have anything. Else How to about say. the title? It's called Fate takes the wheel. Dictionary award for you this week. <laughs> what word? Valence. Oh, valence. Valence. Never heard that. I um, noticed that too. I don't know that word. It's, yeah, uh, what is I guess I don't, maybe I'm not even using it properly, but I. Th- well, I, we I, also have made up words. I think before. of emotional valence. Maybe it's a psychological term hmm. that describes like whether or not you give something like a positive or a negative kind of like attribute, basically. Hmm. I think. Is that right? 
Cool. No, I don't know. Maybe I made that it. It is now <laughs> if it wasn't. It's, I know yeah. it's, a, it's definitely a chemistry term. Oh, okay. There's some kind of like chemistry definition to it, but I don't hmm. know what that is. I've, al- yeah, I've always thought of it as kind of like the, um, yeah, the inflection you kind of give something emotionally. Nice. Well, I liked the inflection you gave the last lines emotionally oh. with that leaning into that vibrato. That was oh, a yeah. Fun, yeah. Nice, fun mood. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Been doing playing a little bit more with that kind of thing. We all really hit a theme on the lyrics. It yeah. seems like. Oh, yeah. Such yeah. a. D- dark, especially darkness. your. Um, the constant distortion. The constant. In the yeah. back of my mind. That was really. Mm. So well said. I mean, it's just like the the fuzz brain mm. it is the constant distortion it's the yeah. tv static right you know i mean i was also thinking of it just just as kind of like the framing of um the way we experience like culture and existence in general is just like mm. nothing has absolute meaning right we're in this like mm-hmm. postmodern whatever bullshit that we're in mm-hmm. and so it's like ev- everything is informed by the context that it exists in i think but the type of distortion that we're experiencing right now is <laughs> pretty darker the way the culture kind of informs us right now feels pretty de- depressing oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so is it in a way hopeful asking fate to take the wheel i mean that's uh, uh, i, I mean, don't it's a little I, deterministic I, I don't right well i i think i'm fairly deterministic We've i, talked about I think this it's before. hard to argue for free will i mean it's my understanding of how brains function in general is that just that like they experience things before we know that they are experiencing it Mm -hmm. or we i can't uh, give it up fully yet i can't really either like intellectually like or Uh just like you know intellectually like i can kind of i think it's an attitude thing i'm afraid of believing (laughs) that we don't have free will yeah Uh but you it does that that, that's just that's not an act of will either your belief true (laughs) 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 i'm just i I guess i'm just practical with myself well there's a i think there's a lived experience to like feeling like we have agency either way you're going to live your life right and i i think it's a deeper philosophical situation Mm -hmm. that you were talking about that that we've discussed before and Mm -hmm. for me it's more of like a fleeting thought of like no i'm in charge you know maybe it's like (laughs) control and um fear yeah of mortality it definitely gives me anxiety to think about it too much also Mm. so i liked the line open to fear Mm. yeah right well yeah i think that that's why you're saying maybe a more optimistic perspective of it right because it's like to fully exist is to kind of like let life take its course on you or something like that versus kind of like trying to stick it somewhere where it, I don't know. Yeah. Go. I mean, ultimately I know I'm not really in charge of stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware on a grander scale, I'm not the one in charge. I, I'm not really sure. Like even the line, the valence line, because uh, I, I read through the lyrics right before we, or when I was typing it up and I don't know if I really know what any of this means <laughs> necessarily. Mm. Um, it's it's just so clear after the theme <laughs> we've established in the other lyrics. It's right. just like I didn't have a like perspective that I was attempting to mm-hmm. yeah. express. We looked up the word haywire on our way over here, and the uh-huh. definition that came up for me was out of control. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you you nailed that. Good, got something right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all kind of touching on like, this is what we have. These times are there's, there's no escaping it, mm-hmm. and there's an there has to be like an acceptance, mm-hmm. an acceptance of reality. Mm-hmm. And I think you like that line open to fear. That definitely was like, yeah, open to fear. Like you should be, you better be open to fear because you might 
feel it a lot. And <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. But it's part of the it's part of the the ride. It's part of fate driving your car. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <sighs> well, we did it. We, we did share it. our songs. We did it. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks uh, for your beautiful songs. Yeah. Thank you. They're Amazing. all so beautiful yeah, and so, so dark cool. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything you want people to know about, about what you're doing in the world with music and life in general, uh, places they can follow you on the internet, oh, that kind well, of thing? Yes, we have a few things. Yeah, um, tell, well, us, tell us all the things. Well, you can follow us on our Bandcamp, crowy.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. We have our album a murder of that we released Lovely. about a year ago it's Beautiful. up on there so um, yeah it's great and that's an ey right it's an ey yeah c-r-o c-r-o-w-e-y yeah this album will be coming out on vinyl eventually probably the a murder of a murder of nice. yeah through um sdm pdx and we're just waiting on them you know they're very they're super backlogged right now like all the vinyl presses are really backed up so totally we're probably going to get it in the winter, at which point I don't foresee doing anything inside. So, you know, a record release may happen in the spring when we can do it outside. But yeah. we are playing a show here on October We're playing 10th. in our backyard. We're playing in our backyard. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, where we'll attempt to play this song. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> as well as we're going to play a bunch of stuff off Murder Of. So, you know, it'll be a great opportunity to see it live and it'll be a great opportunity for us to uh, remember how to play those songs. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, that show will be all past Honest Jam's guests. Yeah. It'll be fun. Cool. And other than that, I mean, you know, we're going to keep demoing out all these new song ideas for our new album, which I haven't told you yet, but I think I want to call it Alistario. <laughs> Alistario? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to say yes, right? Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. Well, you know how, have yes. you ever known people have been like, are you guys called Crowley? Like oh. Alistair Crowley? Oh. So you want to add to the confusion? Yeah. <laughs> Alistair Crowley. Um, Alistair is also my, like, my Alistario Crowley. Alistario Crowley. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to do some clever panning on it, too, you know? But it's just Alistario. Oh, yeah. Got Stereo. Stereo. Oh, I see. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to say? You got this six monologues thing going on, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we just um, debuted a a film. It's like a theater film piece um, called Six Monologues. It's not really available anywhere yet, but it will be available on the internet. We're um, submitting it to some film festivals first, cool. actually. Nice. Yeah, it's called Six Monologues. It is that. It is monologues. There were four of us, and we were all cast crew musicians cool. so there's some monologuing some some uh playing music playing some microtonal music actually it's pretty that wild was, uh, written by richie green right richie, yeah richie written by it. my roommate richie green nice and yeah. uh he wrote the music and caitlin petrick wrote the words uh so that'll come out sometime cool yeah. it's really cool <laughs> that's all i have to say <laughs> and then joey and i have probably a backlog of about three albums hell yeah ready to record so more yeah. music coming from crowey we also have an ambient ep pretty much fully recorded that uh we will really be releasing probably in the next month or two hell yeah all right there's only one thing left to say we, we can, can bang, bang on pots and pans and, pans and still kick out some honest, honest jams, jams. 
Honest Jams podcast is written, recorded, and produced by Al Alvis and A. Walker Spring and edited by me. Reach us at honestjamspodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Victor Nash for mixing our theme. Special thanks to Oogie. And thank you for listening. We can't wait to hear what you make. <laughs>